America is a nation of immigrants, each with their own story to tell. Some immigrated for economic reasons, some for personal reasons, and others because their very survival depended on it. In this podcast titled Melting Pod, my group and I will tell three such stories, all related to immigration. First up is Skylar's story, titled A Dream Across the Way, which is about her grandparents and how they achieved their own form of success in America after they were forced to flee their home country of Cambodia due to the genocidal Khmer Rouge regime. As I sit in Badabang, Cambodian cuisine restaurant, I can't help to imagine how life would be if my grandparents didn't come to America at all. I see and hear my family's strong, loud Khmer speech and their high-pitched laughs because I have it too at times. I can see that they are happy here, but at the same time, I sense there was some sadness deep within them because of why they had to leave their home. It made me think of other immigrants and if they felt that too, not just ones from my family's home country. Throughout my life, my Ye and Tha have always stuck together and stayed true to who they are and where they came from. Being from a small Southeast Asian nation, working hard to be comfortable, especially in the rural countryside, along with three children, was already a hassle itself. But a sudden, unexpected change happened to their homeland. The country fell into despair, and most Cambodians felt destroyed inside. The peaceful atmosphere, rice fields, and smiling faces seemed to all fade away. The 1970s in Cambodia were gruesome as the country was taken over by a brutal regime known as the Khmer Rouge, which resulted in genocide of over 2 million people. Being targeted by the regime and being told, leave, go to America or die here, isn't something someone should hear in a place or home that is held closely to their heart and family. This was said to my family and countless others. While filled with sadness, it was a miracle that my family was able to flee the country on a cargo plane because my grandfather worked for the U.S. Embassy. I asked them how they felt when they came, and they responded with, we were scared for our family. My grandparents knew that what lied ahead of them was a life filled with uncertainty, but it was the best one at the time instead of staying home where you potentially had the chance of being killed. They were in and out of work, caring for three young children who all struggled with English. It wasn't the ideal problems they expected to have in life. An American dream was tossed around and a common phrase my grandparents heard. It's defined as the ideal by which equality of opportunity is available to any American, allowing the highest aspirations and goals to be achieved. At times, considered an unrealistic notion, especially for immigrants. My grandparents made a great effort, though. I didn't care if it looked like they had succeeded in another person's eyes as long as they were okay with what they had. They ended up finding and working at a Cambodian restaurant called Badabong Cambodian Cuisine in downtown Oakland, California. Inside, there are paintings on the walls of our lotus flower fields in front of our temples and apsara dancers in traditional headdresses. There are Buddhist statues, so many plants, and our flag all surrounded by warm light. It felt like a piece of home to them, even though home was more than a thousand miles away. It smells like fresh rice and lemongrass was just cooked while incense is burning lightly. I admire the restaurant because it opens a small door to Cambodia, making me feel like I'm there as well. So many traditional dishes like saikochikat, grilled beef kebabs marinated in lemongrass with a side of pickled vegetables, and baichakadam, fried rice, made their way from kitchens to tables. My grandparents were themselves there. 
They made friends with the other cooks and workers in similar situations. I remember when I would visit the restaurant when I was small, and still to this day, even after their retirement, I, I noticed that they always look so happy when we step foot inside. They laugh and tell stories, make their Cambodian jokes, gossip, and share cooking tips even though they aren't the ones cooking anymore. Even though it may not look the best to others, it is our own life. Even if we aren't from here or know how this country works as a whole, we are happy because we are together. My thought told me that one day while everyone sat in the restaurant and I couldn't help but smile. It may not have looked like every American's dream or an ideal one, but it was theirs. It was ours. We're all able to create a valuable life and memories even when we don't know all that is going on. Next up is my story, titled From Harvesting Crops to Studying Crops. And it is about a Vietnamese immigrant who overcame great personal hardship to achieve her full potential in America. Thanksgiving just passed, and this is fitting, given the setting of this story. A Thanksgiving party held by one of my aunts in Foster City, California, near Silicon Valley. At the time of this story, I was about 11 years old. There were many people in attendance. Actually, the word many might be underselling it. Imagine a crowded movie theater, except the people aren't inside a theater at all, but are instead spilling into and out of a random house. Soon after we arrived, my parents got stuck in a very boring conversation with someone. I was, well, bored, so I wandered off to try to find something interesting. It was a warm, shiny day, so I found my way outside and spent some quality time chasing an insect. Now this got my attention, and like the socially inept person I am, I butted into the conversation and began asking a bunch of questions. Can you make broccoli taste like chocolate? Can you fuse a bunch of food plants together to make one giant plant? Is that what a frankenfood is? Hey, I was 11. She laughed and answered all of them. Eventually, I began asking her about her life and how she began her career in science. Growing up, she was often considered dumb because she would wonder about questions like, why do plants grow upwards and not downwards? And this would distract her from her work. To make matters worse, she was forced into an arranged marriage in her teens. Eventually, she ran away. She eventually managed to immigrate to America and learn English, working as a babysitter in the meantime. She took courses at a local community college and found out when taking STEM classes that she was not dumb like she had been told her whole life. She was actually good at something. She went on to pursue a degree in agroecology, and she is now a successful scientist. Hearing her story makes me wonder about all the other stories like hers that could exist if more people were allowed to immigrate to America and to reach their full potential. How much progress has the world missed out on? I haven't seen her since, but meeting with her changed my perspective of the world. I knew that resources aren't evenly distributed around the world, but I didn't understand this until my conversation with her. 
I always thought of success as something up to the individual, but talking with her made me realize that the right environment is needed as well. It seems like a very presumptuous statement to say that immigration to America can help someone reach their full potential, especially given the fact that there are many issues like racism that make life hard for immigrants. To clarify, I don't think immigration is a magic bullet to success. Even after immigrating, the chance that that person will reach their full potential is probably low. But I think that this chance is higher if that person is able to immigrate to America. I'm not blind to the flaws of America, but I realize that for many people, living in America is better than living in the countries that they were previously living in. I'd like to conclude with a quote. I am, somehow, less interested in the weight and convolutions of Einstein's brain than in the near certainty that people of equal talent have lived and died in cotton fields and sweatshops. This quote from Stephen J. Gould perfectly illustrates one of the tragedies of our world today. The talents of many people are going to waste because they do not have the resources to discover and make use of their talents. Immigration can be the key to unlocking this hidden potential. Finally, we have Dee Dee's story, titled The Hidden Story, about her grandfather, an immigrant from Mexico who started his life over in America. It's hard to explain to those who don't understand that being of two cultures leads to two extremely different views on family, and how in many Mexican households, the story of family is focused on the great men who lead it. I never knew a lot about my grandpa, I just heard bits and pieces about his life through asking the right questions at the dinner table. I think I was the last cousin to know when he was still mentally there, as the Alzheimer's took over his mind more as I got older. He loved to garden and was proud of his children, but I didn't know much more other than that. I'd always known he was the foundation of my family, but I never really knew how hard he worked to give them the lives they live today. One day, while I was organizing the closet of my new bedroom, soon after moving, I found a set of pictures. In these pictures, I was confused as to what their purpose was. Why'd you need to take these individual pictures? I asked my mother at a family dinner later that day. And for the first time in my life, they openly talked about my grandpa without the sadness that came with remembering him after his death. Your grandpa had immigrated to Chicago when we were very young to send money back to us in Mexico. Pero que hizo en Chicago? What did he do in Chicago, I would ask? As I had always been told, he was a rancher. It was a strange conversation to be having, and I felt shocked at how little I knew about my family. What other parts of their lives am I not aware of? The story they told me went as follows. My grandfather was a businessman in Mexico. He owned warehouses and rented them out until the cartel had asked to use them. My grandpa was a man of pride. He had refused. From what I could understand from the story, he didn't want to get involved with those kinds of people and be seen as someone of that level. I didn't want to pry much, as it sounded like a heavy topic within my family, but the only other thing she would tell me was that he had to abandon that business and start over in Chicago with a machine shop, which later my uncles would later immigrate to California and start a machine shop in Salinas after college, just like he did. He didn't come back for many years, so my grandma had to send pictures of her and the kids so he could see them grow up year after year. I can't imagine how difficult it must have been to live without their dad for so long and how confusing it must have been for them. Even now, the thought of being so far from my family makes me worried. 
All along, I had been under the impression that my mother was the first to immigrate out of Mexico for college and would later fall in love with my dad and stay there that my grandpa had been in the U.S. before the rest of my family. I remember going to Mexico during the warm summer between kindergarten and first grade to visit him as my mom and the rest of my family felt it was important for my sister and I to meet him and see the house in the big city of Morleone where they grew up. By this time, the rest of my family had fully immigrated to California and become citizens. They don't mention how difficult that was for them, but I know the process is taxing and don't know how many long and tiring nights they spent preparing for their citizenship test. But my grandpa was different. He had spent so much time away that all he wanted to do was go back to Mexico and he did not long after. I don't think he ever wanted to leave again. I don't remember much from the trip other than how he gave my sister and I mangoes to eat. He picked up my sister Maddie, who was covered in mango juice, and asked her in Spanish, are you eating that mango or is it eating you? He was happy to see my mother's daughters in the country he loved eating the food from the land he lived on. After this trip, he would end up moving to California with the rest of my family. They needed to take care of him as he started to get sick. I remember in third grade watching him in San Jose get his American citizenship. With the tiny plastic American flag that barely blew in the wind and the small amounts of paperwork that made him an official American. I think my family was happier than he was to have it. We took pictures in the blazing sun and hot concrete to remember the moment. I don't think he ever intended to stay in this country. The memories of having to leave Mexico for work made him uncomfortable here. To him, the American dream was insignificant compared to the happiness he felt back in Mexico. He left his country to support his family and later he would leave it again to rejoin them. Thank you to everyone who worked on this podcast. The hosts of this podcast, in the order in which their stories appear, are Skylar Pickens, myself, and Dee Dee Hoisington. Mixing and narration were done by me. Skylar Pickens and Dee Dee Hoisington both served as content and creative leads. Background music is Mallet Play with Violin and Piano by Martin Shelkins. The restaurant service bell sound effect that is right at the beginning of Scholar's story is from Service Bell by Mixkit.co. Finally, we'd like to thank anyone listening to this podcast for their time.